Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. I'm Pete Wright, and I am joined today by Daniel Ranta. Now, Dan has spent the last five years of his considerable career responsible for a massive knowledge management implementation at General Electric, integrating hundreds of communities, unifying search, delivering expertise connectivity that has enabled transformative new capabilities across the organization. Now, he joins us today to share his experience in building knowledge management systems and architecting knowledge networks that work, and to share some guidance if you find your efforts are coming up short. Dan Ranta, welcome to the show. Well, Pete, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of this BA Insights podcast. Well, it's been it's been exhilarating for a nerd like me to read about your background and the work that you've done in creating some exceptional and exceptionally findable resources for so many people. You wake up in the morning, you're a few years into doing this work. How do you know you're doing it right? What are the signals that you're looking for as you watch behavior across the organization that lets you know, you know what, we are we're hitting on important transformation with what we're doing? I'm going to go right to my team because you build a team because in building that team, if you can imagine a pyramid, you've got to make sure that you take that pyramid and push it down. And when your team members are all functioning at a very high level independently, um, and we're all, uh, we're all out there providing that trusted advisor guidance um, and, and doing so with so many different customers because it's a small team that plays big. When you work in knowledge management, typically that's what you're going to find. And I had uh, some team members in Europe, some in uh, our global research center uh, with GE in upstate New York and then in Bangalore, India. And all the team members were fantastic. And our ability to function at a very high level independently and then when we were together as well and to be able to constantly be listening to our customers uh, to come up with new ideas, feed those back into our program, our overall ecosystem. That really was, um, for us, that was critically important for our success every single day. In in terms of overall size of implementation, I think uh, GE's is probably the one that impacts the most employees, right? And the most team members. Let's Let's talk a little bit about transparency. You're an advocate of transparency. When you start your work on strategy and architecture of a knowledge system, uh, how do you ensure transparency? And what are the tools you use to deliver on the promise of transparent development? Well, the very first thing that we did was we invited all of what I thought would be the key brokers, because one of the big challenges when I got to the company was that we found over 75 people with some type of knowledge management role across the company. Now, imagine how difficult that was. It's like everyone's got these ideas. Everyone's running in different directions. You know, follow the shoe, follow the gourd. Uh, you, you may remember that from <laughs> from Monty Python. But, right, right. Uh, and, uh, and with an over overemphasis, quite frankly, on technology solutions. So, uh, and I wanted to make sure that we had that opportunity to bring everybody together and to listen to everybody and not spend a lot of time. We had no time because of the transformational nature of what the company was actually going through at the time. This was late in 2015. We needed to get a strategy together where people were stacking hands and then go from strategy to action as soon as possible. Now, it's really simple to say those words. Let's go from strategy to action. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll do that on Wednesday. Exactly. And uh, so we'll be done on Friday. And yeah, so right. the, the, the point is, is that 
you've got to be able to establish in this, you know, let's be, let's be frank about, you know, when you talk about building a better collaborative culture, there's so much ambiguity and different people will get different ideas in their minds about how it is that um, we're going to go about doing that. So we had to bring everybody together to stack hands and to start the process of creating a transparent, back to your question and your point, uh, strategy so that, and then show it to everybody and then just constantly make sure that that overall strategy was always open to being agile and to, to changes. Um, and one of the first things we did, you know, center, central to our program were our communities, uh, communities of practice. Now, GE had a long history of community. Every company does. Basically, you know, somebody in knowledge management can tell you, you got to create these affinity groupings, whether you call them centers of excellence or networks of knowledge or knowledge networks, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And we started our fifth community, and this is a little bit risky. You had no value really creating in our program was a community about knowledge sharing. So it was a knowledge sharing community about knowledge sharing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what are you going to talk about there? Well, you're going to just be transparent. Back to your question and your and your point, Pete, in that you want everybody because you can be you can be great in this area, and I can sit here and tell you how great I am and all that kind of thing. But you got to listen because seventy five percent plus is my contention always in working with large, large global companies of your best ideas come from the people. And you can't listen to every idea. You know, you got to have yeah, this yeah. utilitarian mindset where the greatest good for the greatest number. But so many times somebody will come up with something. You'd be like, Holy smokes. I mean, what's wrong with me? I've been drinking coffee all day long, but I'm not, I didn't have that idea and that's okay. And you figure out a way to incorporate into your program, the processes and uh, the behavioral change that you're, you're looking to, to create. You, you dropped this term uh, knowledge brokers uh, earlier. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the importance, the value of a knowledge broker. What is a, uh, or how do you define a knowledge broker and why are they so important? My, my hunch is that this might get us into uh, something that is deeply important to us at BA Insight, which is that, you know, uh, increasing the sort of emergent knowledge that comes out of, of, of bringing search to corners of the organization that we might not normally seek. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Pete, because it really is, it it becomes a a central part of any successful program, regardless of what you're doing. I'm going to refer back to, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a trilogy of very famous books that feed right into building a knowledge sharing culture and collaboration. And the first of which was called The Tipping Point that came out in 2001. Um, It was a great Great, great piece. And he talked about uh, salespeople, connectors, and mavens. Now, those were three key terms that he used to be able to start a positive epidemic or revolution. And that small team playing big that I talked about a few moments ago, you can't do it with, without these brokers that will exist. And in our case, we had nine businesses and nine verticals. So I mentioned all the knowledge management folks. And you want to be able to get them to be able to... Um, kind of proliferate that positive messaging that goes out be able to talk to other people to build that revolution across the company and to be able to transform any transformation is going to require the behavior of key brokers and and brokers whether they're connectors just simply connecting different groups or their liaisons or um, they're helping overcome different challenges and advocating on your behalf are going to be critically important when you're trying to start a, a program like we were trying to start with relatively 
little in terms of budgetary resources. Um, so you're going to count on the energy of the people, those energy givers with can-do attitudes to be able to be out there and advocating. And brokers are so important. And goes right back to what Malcolm Gladwell talked about. And then he carried it on with his other books, um, including Blink um, and Outliers. Exceptional trilogy. If you If you haven't mm-hmm. read them, question. Uh, get those books. Uh, you know, it, this leads us into uh, a, a question I had about your your killer app, right? That And, and I love the way you've talked about this because it, it not only sort of proves the technology on the back end, but it provides a key lead feature in establishing buy-in for these broad communities that something great is in continuous development with their participation. It's going to change their lives. I'm referring, of course, here to your asynchronous discussion area and expertise finder. Can you talk about how that that sort of technology, that area uh, of your application uh, actually uh, improves its own, sort of becomes its own avalanche? Well, this, this starts to get into three themes that I want to bring forward today, and that's the governance and, and taxonomy and then curation. And it also feeds into the fact that they, you know, people for years, uh, since the early 90s, talking about knowledge management um, and, and uh, have referred to people process technology. But the, the, of those three elements, the thing that's most forgotten is the process. And so basically, and I've dealt with a lot of engineering culture. So we had about 60,000 engineers at GE. And what we were trying to position was the ability with the asynchronous discussion. It's nothing new about it. It's asynchronous discussion. It kind of makes me laugh because when I worked at EY way back in the in the mid '90s, you know, everyone's like, "Hey, asynchronous discussion—that's the greatest thing since whatever," you know. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, we've all, we all participated, so we have this familiarity index now <laughs> that you know, whether we're in work or we're outside of work, to set expectations, then we're we're all very very familiar with um, <clears throat> what this really means. So. For us, central to being able to start to unearth the right types of behaviors and to continue that forward was to make sure that it was focused on problem solving and to make sure that we were encouraging people to demonstrate human vulnerability and asking questions of others. You know, this and it touches then it gets into this other area of, you know, operational excellence, another key, key, very ambiguous term. What the heck does operational excellence mean? Um, yeah, you want to be excellent and you want as you're operating, but what else, what else does it mean? But to me, it, it means that work is so much often more often a an art than a science. You know, if it's a science, if it's some discrete task that I've accomplished 99 times perfectly, I don't need to ask anybody. But if it's something I haven't done before, and if I'm not sure of these different elements or components that may come into play, um, I want to be able to make sure that I have the, the confidence and to reach out and have established uh, kind of the overall trust in a collaborative culture. And it gets back to that central piece that I, I talk about all the time, the behavioral aspects to, to be willing to go out there and ask a question of fellow engineers without worrying that somebody's going to say, Oh, can you believe Dan asked that question? You know, he must be a real knucklehead or something like that. You know, but that's the kind of thing that helps to create this process where everyone feels welcome and that, that collective elaboration that then um, comes into play. And the way that we did it at GE is better than any other company. I got to tell you um, in that, what we did was we we combined it with 
um, our taxonomy and really the capabilities that existed across different communities within different businesses in the company to be able to get people to go out and to nominate their expertise. We weren't calling people experts. It's a lot softer and more effective when you say expertise. So we're nominating expertise. And then our, our asynchronous discussion automatically fed based on how maybe a question was tagged. It automatically fed that so that we weren't um, just overwhelming people. You know, collaborative overload is a real thing within companies these days, within large companies uh, especially. And so we wanted to make sure that we were delivering knowledge precisely or surgically to the right people. So if you have groups of people with expertise, then your ability to curate and to be able to take some knowledge that's more of an art than a science and to be able to build on that knowledge as it goes forward is critically important. And then that is what, you know, you take a world-class company in search like BA Insights and you, you start to then take that knowledge that's being created by people around the world that may never even meet face-to-face. Um, that's the kind of curation and the knowledge processes that I'm talking about so that that knowledge can be fed into a search engine effectively so that you get to a point eventually where before I even ask the question, maybe this question's already been asked. Maybe it already has a really nice answer with a lot of nice knowledge objects that I can, I can take a look at um, to be able to discover even more. And before I even ask my question, I, I search and I find something because um, what I ultimately want to do within a company is to make sure that we're making this smaller place and that the search, the findability, and our ability to find and then reuse that knowledge is right there at our fingertips. If not, you know what happens? You know, the classic phrase in knowledge management, everyone's recreating the wheel. And that's what you want to avoid. Well, you, then you have to talk about the Wiki as a service initiative, because here what I'm hearing is you found a way to take these sorts of discussions, the asynchronous discussions that it, from which new insights and new sort of powers emerge as a result of these discussions and turn them into canon. Uh, by leveraging your uh, GE's ex- extraordinary assets, I think, to be able to do this quickly and, cr- and incorporate them back into the searched operations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you teed that up for me, Pete, because this is, a, this is a dream I always had. I first heard about it, and this is why benchmarking is so important. I, I really believe in, in, in benchmarking and learning from other companies, and I first heard this um, from Shell. Shell Oil Company. Uh, there's a lot of oil companies that have had a really nice history when it comes to uh, building good knowledge management and knowledge sharing cultures. And Shell was doing this, but and, and I dreamed about it and I was jealous because we didn't have the resources um, when I was in charge of knowledge at ConocoPhillips to be able to pull this off. Um, so we were able to create, based on what I just talked about in the asynchronous discussion that was really just off the charts in terms of how much activity that we had and how much of the surgical, precise-based um, knowledge was flowing to the right people to be able to give us a better opportunity to get the, that really effective collabor- uh, collective elaboration, the best answer. So what do you do with that knowledge once um, you have these people fleshing out um, things that are highly reusable, like I talked about in the search context? Well, we had the ability... To, we automated a process to be able to basically say, look, in this asynchronous discussion, we're going to make a decision on the fly to say, this is really important. We want to stick a stake in the ground and we want to create a wiki article. So every community had its own wiki portal space. And we had some just absolutely 
fabulous governance around how it is that uh, we created the, the wiki and uh, just a great, um, great, great resource named Evita on our team that um, is world-class when it comes to creating everything associated with wikis. And we were able to take the knowledge and to move it those things that, and this is the classic challenge when it comes from tacit as knowledge is ping pong around inside my head's experience-based stuff and making it explicit or available. Mm-hmm. And we were able to take that basically by clicking one button and to take what people said in this discussion and start move it into a wiki article in a fluid dynamic environment. We're able to keep building on that knowledge. What I joke about often is the fact that a PDF file is like something stuck at the bottom of my swimming pool. And uh, you know, who the heck, I don't even go down to the bottom of my swimming pool. Who goes down there? Who's going to ever find that? Nobody probably, right? It's lost knowledge. It's in cubby holes. And that's what, you know, a lot of companies have that's all over the place. And that's why, again, search engines can be so important to be able to, to discover that type of knowledge. But this was so cool to be able to take what people said in this uh, sphere of where work is more of an art than a science and put it into a fluid dynamic location like a wiki article. And then to be able to, to build on that because the reason I say it's dynamic is because it's so easy to continue to edit. And uh, for us, the, the best wiki, the best wiki in the world, um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Wikipedia. Wikipedia's media wiki. Wikipedia's been around now for 18 or 19 years. And it's so much, it's, they've developed so much open source-wise. And that's what uh, we used at GE as our overall GE wiki platform. Um, and uh, that's, that's what it was all about. And it was, and it's, I must say that I'm so proud of our team for developing this and, and being able to create this for our, for our customers. And I've seen, although Shell did it, they didn't do it nearly as well as us. I'm very competitive. <laughs> I'm a very competitive guy also. And, you know, you want to win, win, win for your customers, for the business. Um, and this is one of the ways that we were winning with knowledge processes in our overall ecosystem. Is this something that anybody can do? I mean, I'm, I'm reading this and I, I see that, you know, I talked a little bit about resources. I'm being presumptive here that is this a thing that only the biggest of the big can actually accomplish? I don't think it is. I think that the bane of KM teams is often the fact that it just will take some uh, off-the-shelf technology, something that can, tends to be very ephemeral in nature. Really ephemeral, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's something like, uh, I don't want to throw any companies under a bus. Am I allowed to do that, Pete? <laughs> I guess I can beep those. <laughs> okay. But you take something like Slack channels or something like that, or, you know, there's a use for that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. But what I'm talking about is really purposeful collaboration, you know, or you take something like Yammer that's often offered by Microsoft um, and it just doesn't get the job done. Something ephemeral is like a, a, a gallon of water busting over the top of Niagara Falls. It's like, wow, look at that gallon of water. Boom. It's out to the St. Lawrence Seaway. It's right. headed out there. Also, where's that knowledge? How can we refine? How can we, you know, get that and organize it more effectively? Well, you can't, you know, it comes, it comes around and it's just not, there's not a purposeful nature to be able to do this like we're talking about here. And so that's a, a huge challenge that a lot of companies face. But if you understand the principles even a primitive version of what we're talking about to take the best of this. Cause many times the, if you, if you look at a, let's say just, I'm just going to use some very generalized number. Say you have a community of a thousand people that are solving problems in a specific area of electronics for a, a company. Um, and you're going to be able to figure out what's the framework. What are the, articles that wiki articles in this case that we may really want to to create and maybe it's 82 articles that you might you know want to start with and you can disperse the responsibility and get some titles and some of these things that just to us seem to you know 
know, we're constantly recreating the wheel in these different areas and that type of thing. And, and so there's, there's some basic human techniques that a, a knowledge man, even a very small knowledge management team can take to be able to follow the kind of principles we're talking about today um, to make determinations in uh, on behalf of the business to stick a stake in the ground as far up that hill as you can go in these different areas to be able to um, to take that tacit and move it into explicit. So I think there's there's opportunities to do it, um, be creative, um, be kind of MacGyverish, if you will. Um, but to fully automate it, it's it you know it's 2020, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm dismayed by the fact that what we're talking about is so critically important in the sphere of collaboration, knowledge management, that um, there aren't uh, more enablement, uh, there aren't more technologies out there that automatically enable this. I love that that the tools that you're talking about are are closing the gap between knowledge culture and and knowledge dissemination and and findability. It's, I mean, it's obviously something that's core to to our efforts at, at BA Insight. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more broadly about uh, some of the uh, ingredients or the things that you feel like you, you have to you have to own if you're you know eight a.m. day one if you're going to be successful in architecting a, a knowledge management system for your organization. Well, first two things, and this is where in the, in the case that we're mainly talking about today uh, at, um, at GE, what we did was the initial focus, I called them my two Bs, um, business value and behavior, and those two things. So we really, we went after areas that hurt the most. One of the things, and this is important that I, that I mentioned this, I talked about ephemeral, I talked about different systems that uh, people in different companies might say, hey, you know, this is all you need, just buy some licenses and this will be good and uh, kind of let people organically create that. There's a, there's a fallacy in that. Everyone has good intentions. I don't want to take that away from anybody, but this is where you got to go through the front door and make sure that if, if business value is truly going to be one of the key precepts used to establish the knowledge management ecosystem you're talking about here, is that you've got to go through and find out where it hurts the most and you want to set up a minimal amount of communities, um, if you will. You don't want, you know, just like everybody in every location around the world with good intentions to be able to set up something that competes. It's the same kind of thing. You know, I'm going to have um, this community over here about whatever in oil and gas. That's the same community in Calgary as it is in Houston, as it is in Aberdeen or something like that. You want to bring the people together. To less is more. Um, so that's going through the front door, finding out what main business problems we can solve. And that's where you're going to be able to drive the ROI, the return on investment and better business value. And then you want to shift your focus immediately at that point to the behavior and the things we've talked about today in the podcast of identifying, you know, the, the, the people to be involved, the right brokers, um, the right leadership skills and responsibilities and set the tone and to create all the governance around, I haven't mentioned much about governance today. The gov governance to me is shared accountability, but the governance around how it is that we are going to operate and we're going to do this. Remember, less is more and to make it as easy as possible for people because they, they, everyone has priorities and you want to be able to blend this in to work priorities and make it part of actually how people work versus something extra. If it's something extra, it's number 11 on my list, on my to-do list. I'm never going to get to it. I'm never going to participate. So you want to get to, to that point with the processes, but you start with those two Bs, um, the business value and the behavior, and you build off of that. Everything kind of comes off of that. 
All right. I, I've been intentional about talking through the things that are positive, that are constructive, that can help people start today and build new things. But I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about the pitfalls that you may have run into in your experience, the challenges that you've had that that um, uh, that you feel might be plaguing uh, other knowledge management folks. I think that the number one thing I've touched on in a number in a number of different ways here is um, that these um, overemphasis on technology that you know build it and they will come just throw that out there. Just uh, another Slack channel, Dan. Just another Slack <laughs> channel. It'll be fine. Another Slack channel, and uh, you know, so um, the that's a that's a huge challenge that a lot of companies face. Uh, I've I've done some work. I've participated in some articles with um, Dr. Rob Cross from Babson University on collaborative overload, and. I said, I mentioned in passing that is a real thing. Um, I talked about the, 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 the fact that we're all the familiarity index, I call it, we're all familiar more and more now to, in 2020 with all these different types of technologies that can enable things. And we go to work and we expect those to be there. But if there's too much of them there, then, you know, you're like, well, what do I look at? Where do I, you know, where can I put my energy? Because we can all, we all need to do our work priorities. What my boss finds interesting. I need to find fascinating generally. And uh, I've worked, I, I tended to work in command and control cultures with a lot of engineering workforce as um, uh, that center kind of the stakeholder map. And so it, it's a, it's a no nonsense scenario where you want to make sure you're really focused and it gets back to the less is more. And you can't get there with, uh, if you just throw in technology out there and expecting people to organically come up with, um, affinity groupings, whatever you might call them to be able to put those into play. And then everything gets chaotic and you end up with people competing um, and you're not focused and you, you lose track of what it is that you're trying to do in terms of business value. You said something in an interview in the in the great uh, book, the the KM Cookbook by uh, Chris Collison, uh, Paul Corney, and Patricia Lee Eng. Uh, and I would like to read you to you. Will you indulge me? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right. We mandate that all leaders and coordinators of our communities are members of our knowledge sharing community. I guess I suck them in without them even knowing it. It's the community space we use to blog and share all our governance materials for everyone to see and use and help us improve. They see the questions and the answers. They learn about the improvements to the community IT infrastructure, and they ask, why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? That's what we love, because 75% of our best ideas have come from the business across all generations. That passage is significant to me for a number of reasons. Uh, But as as we lean in toward wrapping up, you're doing this work for a company that is at 128 years old this year, truly multi-generational. What does it mean to you that your work today will likely help teams continue to change the world together in another 128 years? Well, the first thing is um, crowdsourcing is a real thing, and it leads into the transparency you asked me about earlier. And there's a word that is so important in what we're talking about today that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, and it's a simple one, and it's learning. And so when you're able to get all the right people into place, then the, the, you'll, you have a much better, you know, most learning happens on the job. And through this type of community site that I'm talking about, we had 1,500 people that were members um, about um, of our knowledge sharing community, and they were the right people. And I made sure that we had the right membership group because... You know, if they didn't opine, if they didn't ask questions, if they didn't help others, that's cool because I knew that they were getting the information that was very pertinent to them 
in the role they're playing in our overall governance structure. And they were, they were learning. The other, the other thing that I think has become a fallacy is this whole thing. I remember back in the early 2000s that everyone said, well, the problem we have is that, you know, all these baby boomers, I'm a baby boomer, you know, I was born in 1962. So those are people theoretically, I think born between 46 and 64. These, the baby boomers got all the knowledge, but they don't know anything about the technology, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, that, that may have been true. It may still be true to some extent. I mean, I can never make a statement that's absolutely 100% accurate, but the point is, is that, Nowadays, I mean, there's a lot of super savvy baby boomers out there. I consider myself to be one of those. And also, um, the, the point is, is that that's an overgeneralization. So for me, when I said that, that part in the book chapter about across all generations, is that you, you, I mean, you never know it's going to be a millennial, a Gen, Gen Y, whatever you want to call you know, younger folks, all due respect to all generations, you just never know where the best idea is going to come from. And that's why listening when you're developing a program, listening and having a great team become foundational to being able to continuously improve and to make it better and better and better. And that's what we did at GE. On behalf of Generation X, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What's next for uh, for Dan Ranta? What are you, uh, what's the next mountain uh, you're going to be climbing here? I have a lot of passion in this area and I'd love to share. I'd love to share the stories and not just stories, but I love to give solutions to people. So I'm currently working with um, a number of very interesting companies and sharing a lot of insights. Um, and I, I'm willing to do it, you know, pro bono many times um, because I think I really do believe that the more you share, the more you get. And I, and these, um, the, the experiences that I've had, I just, I just love other people that will come to me and will ask me. And um, I just did a presentation for Kaiser Permanente, for example, they're on the West coast and they, they, they have aspirations to build a better collaborative culture. And uh, so I'm just always willing to sit down with people and listen uh, and then help understand where their gaps may be. Everything in, everything in life is about gap analysis. <laughs> Figure right. out where you have the opportunity to improve, right? So that's, and there's so many ways that you can, you can determine where those gaps are. You can't do everything at once. You cannot do everything at once, but you have the ability to set the priorities to be able to get on a nice trajectory. And that's what I like to do. I like to do with, with people and with companies, uh, whether remuneration is involved or not, as I said, is to just help people. Because I got this crazy thing that uh, I picked up on about 20 years ago that I think we're all on earth to, to help each other. And I love helping people. So that's really what's in store for me as I go forward. Well, we deeply appreciate you helping us today. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you to learn more about your great stories? Well, best place is on LinkedIn. Um, anybody can directly send me an email at danieleranta at gmail.com. That's cool. Um, just uh, contact me. I'll pick the phone up. I'll pick the phone up and call anybody anytime. Um, and um, just like I said, it's great to have conversations about the challenges that people, and I'm always looking to, to learn too. I mean, there's, there's learning never ends. So there's, I, I fully expect that when I engage with um, different organizations and companies, Uh, and sharing insights that I'm I'm learning at the same time. We sure appreciate it, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. And uh, thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Uh, You can find us uh, online in the Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want to subscribe and be notified each time a new episode is released. On behalf of the uh, kind and exceptional Dan Ranta, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insights.